From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Liz Truss has been, if anything, certainly as bad as Johnson on the populism agenda. She wants people to work hard and she hates people being told what to do. The markets are looking very, very closely at political pronouncements. Together, we can ride out the storm. We can rebuild our economy and we can become the modern, brilliant Britain that I know we can be. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Politics resumes today and the to-do list is hefty. We'll look at the economic challenges and policy announcements to come from the government. Plus, Liz Truss says that a trade deal with the United States isn't on the cards anytime soon. We'll break down the details with our Bloomberg trade czar, Brendan Murray. Well, after the 10 days of national mourning, the new government starts tackling its bulging in tray from today. Liz Truss is in New York for the UN General Assembly. She's got meetings lined up with the likes of the US President Joe Biden, French President Emmanuel Macron and the head of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen. Those meetings could prove tricky, though, for different reasons. Joe Biden has been critical of UK efforts to tear up the Brexit trade deal with the EU for fears of the effects it could have on peace in Northern Ireland while Liz Truss during the Conservative leadership race said that the jury's out over whether President Emmanuel Macron is a friend or foe. Perhaps clearing that up might take up the first part of that meeting. Well, here at home, there is a mini budget on the way on Friday, or a fiscal event, as we're inexplicably told to call it now, plus uh, several other policy announcements. There's also the Bank of England on Thursday. We'll get a rate decision, potentially the biggest rate hike in 33 years. And, of course, we've been discussing the mountain of issues on Liz Truss's desk when she gets back from that trip to New York. Well, we got the take of Reid Landberg, Bloomberg's UK economy and government editor, and Jamie Rush, our chief European economist. Take a listen. Well, it's a really interesting week and probably the start of many. You've got a Bank of England rate decision on Thursday where they could push through the biggest interest rate increase in 33 years. Of, and then you've got a fiscal statement on Friday where Liz Truss's government, the Chancellor of the Exchequer, is going to set out his energy plan, how long it lasts, how much uh, more they need to borrow. It's hugely consequential figures that we got a taste of right before the funeral, right before the Queen died, and then it wiped off the news agenda. And Jamie, one of the things that we expect might be announced in the mini-budget on Friday is this uh, lifting of the cap on bankers' bonuses. I wonder whether that would actually add to growth, or is it a really purely political move? I think it's very political, actually. I mean, it doesn't really... It's unlikely even to change compensation for bankers all that much, because what we saw when they introduced the bankers' bonus cap was they just put it into, into base salaries, so there was less variable pay. So I think, actually, that measure is pretty pretty trivial, although it has, of course, like received a lot of attention. Um, 
as, as Reed says, the big things, price cap, how much more they're going to borrow, it could be really a lot. Um, you know, five, six percent of GDP has been touted. So that's that sort of that's, wow. that's a really large five number. to six percent of, of GDP. Politically, Reed, uh, does Liz Truss have the support to, to borrow at that kind of extensive level? What what are the other granular details you're expecting to, to or you're looking for out of some of the announcements and, uh, and, and proposals this week? Politically, she could definitely pull it off. I think the question is whether the markets will let her. Mm. Of you know, we've seen a decline in the value of the pound. Gilts have been on the run lately. Of they're in a very fragile mood. So the question is, what are the confidence of the markets coming out of that Bank of England interest rate decision? We're looking for a couple of things. One, they'll probably give a sense for where they see inflation going. Their last estimate was inflation would peak at 13 percent. The trust energy program probably is going to shave down that level and and make it something more like peak inflation around 10%. Jamie Rush may have a view on that. Of The other really good question is, there will be an exchange of letters between the Chancellor and the Bank of England governor. And in that, you know, the Bank of England governor will explain what he's going to do to get inflation back to target. But this is one of the first opportunities the Chancellor has to regauge the remit for the Bank of England. He could say, go ahead and go for growth. We're not so worried about inflation. Or he could, he could tweak the wording he's had on how the Bank of England deals with inflation that might have a meaningful impact on the way the Bank of England is, is raising interest rates. And the other question, of course, for the Bank of England this week is not just what it does with interest rates, not just the inflation forecast, but what it does with quantitative tightening. Jamie, given how much borrowing all of this uh, this energy bailout, all these tax cuts are going to necessitate, does the Bank of England put the brakes on active guilt sales? Um, I'm, it's a good question. I think that I mean, the Bank of England... Quantitative tightening is going to happen at, at some stage. Um, the additional demand, additional supply of gilts into the market is clearly going to to interact with that. What I would say though is that it's not the same problem as the ECB has. I mean, the ECB wants to embark on the same sort of path, but it could easily trigger a blow up of Italy. So it's kind of a. It, I, th- I think I don't see the fiscal risks to the UK economy as being you know in the same sort of order. So I think the Bank of England is fairly free to do as it pleases, really. Okay, so a little bit of room there for, for the ECB, or for the BOE, I should say, uh, to move, at least more than, more than Italy. That's a low bar, though. Uh, Reid, to what extent has the UK government, given the competition, at least the runoff for the, for the new leadership of the Conservative Party and the Prime Minister, has left itself behind in terms of the need to catch up on this policy action, particularly when it comes to the energy crisis? How, how narrow is that window now to act? Well, you've had a couple of months now where business has been braying for action and and consumers have been saying we're really having a hard time dealing with what we're being given. Of the actual increases in energy prices for consumers, they come through in October. Of So the government has a very short window to act before October comes. And of course, you know, for the natural gas markets, October is the beginning of winter. It's the beginning of when we actually start drawing down on energy supplies. So you know, they'll want to have something in place for that. The real concern is that you've got a lot of measures that help consumers deal with prices where they are, and they don't allow that price signal to feed through to consumers to make them say, oh, maybe I should cut back a bit. So they may be burning as much as they always did at a time when we really need to be conserving. 
And Jamie, how much is the Bank of England on the Thursday meeting going to be thinking about sterling weakness? I mean, you've got uh, a new MPC member in Swati Dingra, of course, replacing the arch hawk Michael Saunders. But the other hawk who's stepping into his shoes is Catherine Mann. She's American. I wonder how much she uh, is thinking about the impact of the Fed's jumbo hikes on sterling. Well, I think I mean I think the short point really is that the dollar is strong against everything. And if you look at a trade-weighted basket for the pound, it hasn't, hasn't depreciated by nearly so much. So if you look at everything that people import in the UK, the cost of that hasn't actually changed by nearly so much as American goods. So it's, it's that broader perspective that's needed. So that's Jamie Rush, our Chief Europe Correspondent, Chief Europe Economist, I should say, and Reid Lamberg, who is Bloomberg's UK Economy and Government Editor. They were speaking earlier to Tom McKenzie and Lizzie Burden. So that's some of the economic issues that the government is facing. Um, but there are other policy areas also screaming for attention uh, from the new government, Ewan. Yeah, lots and lots of stuff on the economic agenda. Parliament is back in action tomorrow. Liz Truss uh, of course, been prime minister for two weeks now. It sort of feels like long, longer, doesn't it? But it's been uh, it's been an unusual uh, couple of weeks. But yeah, Parliament back in action tomorrow. Not in time for prime minister's questions, I should say. Although, of course, Liz Truss is in New York anyway. Would have been interesting to see Therese Coffey make her uh, PMQ's debut, but that will not be taking place tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Parliament Parliament is going to be focusing on swearing in MPs. Uh, to with the new uh, king, so that will be uh, the key thing in tomorrow. On Thursday, of course, we have a big announcement on the NHS, which as Liz Truss has made clear is one of the government's uh, key priorities. Uh, a few things uh, coming on that. We're expecting them to focus on what the health secretary said were her ABCD priorities: uh, ambulances, backlog, care dentists and doctors. It's quite a list, isn't it? Uh, ministers also said to be considering changes to NHS pension rules. Now, you remember this is causing a big problem with doctors retiring early, a lot of them hitting uh, the pensions cap, the lifetime pensions cap, mm. meaning that it doesn't really pay them to stay in the NHS. So a lot of them are quitting early uh, rather than continuing working. So that'll need the, the agreements of the Treasury, of course, to do that. But that would be useful in keeping more staff in the NHS. And pay being a key aspect of that as well. And we were talking to John Restle on this programme from the Managers and Partnership Union only recently. He was talking about the pay battles that they're involved with too, because like so many other parts uh, of the British economy, a lot of workers are looking to try and get pay rises to combat rising inflation. So they're balloting on strike action. They're not the only ones. Uh, we have strike action looming from other directions as well. The members of the ASLEF Union for the on the railways have confirmed two new strike dates. That affect 12 train operating companies next month. Uh, they're going to be walking out on the 1st and 5th of October perhaps unsurprisingly, at around the date of the Conservative Party conference in Birmingham. Uh, And 11 trade unions are seeking a judicial review of plans to allow companies to hire agency staff to replace striking workers. This is another issue that we know is very dear to Liz Truss's heart. She's uh, prepared to intensify the government's clash with the unions by forcing through laws to curb uh, industrial action. This is the idea of guaranteeing a minimum level of service during industrial action uh, and also changing the law for raising the threshold for the number of workers needed to take part in ballots on industrial action. These are proposals that were part of the Conservatives' manifesto in 2019. Liz Truss planning to revive them in her upcoming legislative agenda. Of course, it's not just railways that there are strikes. Uh, We're going to be talking coming up shortly in the programme about the strike by dock workers in Liverpool. Criminal barristers across England and Wales beginning indefinite strike action 
today. Uh, they had been walking out in alternative weeks until recently, but that's another strike action that's going to be escalating as well. All of these timed at a time when we're heading into those all-important party conferences, Ewan. Yeah, as well as that Conservative Party conference in a couple of weeks. Labour meets uh, this Sunday, running through to Wednesday the 28th. Uh, they're going to be in Liverpool this year. The poor old Lib Dems, of course, though, had their conference cancelled. That was due to take place uh, last weekend. But yes, conference season is going to be interesting this year. And I can't help thinking that, of course, the economic situation, but also the industrial relations situation, as you mentioned, very much uh, on the table. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, Liz Truss is in New York for the UN General Assembly, her first foreign trip as Prime Minister. Two weeks she's been in the chair now, but it has been an unusual two weeks, to say the least. On the plane, she was asked by reporters about the possibility of a trade deal with the United States. Now, she says there aren't any trade talks on the way and that she wouldn't expect that they would even start in the short to medium term. Now, remember, a trade deal with the US was once the great hope of the UK's post-Brexit export policy. And Liz Truss was Trade Secretary between 2019 and 2021. So let's speak to Bloomberg's trade czar for more on all of this. Brendan Murray joins us now. Brendan, thanks for joining us. Uh, Is it really surprising at all that there's been no progress made on talks and that we shouldn't be expecting any talks on a UK-US trade deal? Well, it isn't really all that surprising. For for, uh, Ever since Brexit happened officially, uh, the US has said, that it's not really interested in doing a, a bilateral trade agreement with the UK. There's just too much uh, politics at stake for, for Joe Biden at the moment. He's got a midterm election coming up here in a couple months. And leading into that, he there are constituencies that have a lot of uh, that, uh, that that care a lot about trade and agriculture culture in particular and he just doesn't want to go to uh, uh, go to those folks with any with any requests on what they could give up in terms of of uh, with a, in a trade deal with the UK so so it's not really all that surprising the US has basically said for the better part of the past year and a half that they're not really interested in doing this uh, right now at least so yeah that's uh this was this was what brexit was all about right this was the uk could go out into the world and do trade deals with other countries uh but it's not going to happen with its biggest uh, transatlantic trade partner 
Yeah, as you say, n- not really a huge surprise, but I guess the fact that the Prime Minister, the new Prime Minister, has said at the outset that it, it ain't coming in the short or the medium term it, it is interesting, isn't it? This was supposed to be the great white hope, wasn't it, of, of, of the Brexiteers? It was, it, was, it was important, wasn't it, to them? It, it definitely was, and you, you can imagine uh, at a time when Brexit was being uh, you know, uh, campaigned for uh, that there was a different relationship with the U.S. administration. Uh, Donald Trump was in office and or coming into office, and uh, there was a there was a there was a mood of uh, a warmer uh, economic relationship. Um, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Obviously, the two are are strong allies in lots of other areas, but a trade deal. Uh, at the moment isn't on the table uh, and I, I would think uh, Liz Truss would be uh, would be pretty disappointed that the U.S. isn't willing to come to the table. When we think about trade deals with the U.S., I can't help but think of the, the TTIP experience with the European Union. Even if there was political experience, political will on both sides for a deal, it's not something that's very simple to draw up. It could potentially take a very long time. Yeah, it, it, it definitely could take, you know, these 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 kinds of negotiations can go on for years. And a, a lot of a lot of the stuff would be fairly easy and, and they could they could work those out. Uh, the mid-level staff people could, could work out a lot of a lot of these. But there are a handful of other issues uh, around digital commerce, uh, like I said earlier, agriculture that are just going to be real uh, major sticking points. And uh, it's just not a it's. It's not, it's not in the U.S.'s interest right now to do it, even even though uh, it would be uh, for the U.K. Now, leaving aside the U.S., remind us what other irons the U.K. has in the fire when it comes to trade deals, because uh, th- there are quite a few, aren't there? Yeah, they they're going around the world, uh, places like Canada and Australia, and trying to and trying to secure uh, these these free trade agreements. Um, and you know, th- those aren't huge trading partners of the UK, they, uh, but they're but they're uh, politically they they can claim that uh, you know that these these two uh, sort of you know Commonwealth uh, uh, partners could uh, you know that the free trade uh, you know will flow uh, with these countries. But there doesn't seem to be any major uh, uh, countries that are that are in talks right now. So it's uh, it's looking like pretty a pretty small amount of UK trade that's that's uh, that's in negotiation for these FTAs now. Of course, at the same time, things have gotten an awful lot more complicated in trade with the European Union. How much of a shift has there been since the the legal arrangements changed uh, at the end of 2020? Well, there've been there've been some important shifts uh, in, in trade. Uh, obviously, uh, companies that are trying UK companies that are trying to trade into European Union countries now are having uh, having to deal with a lot more paperwork and labor shortages, and uh, it's just become much more onerous. Many are setting up setting up their own operations on the continent to uh, try to ease those uh, com- uh, complexities that, that Brexit has introduced. I was just in Liverpool uh, last week uh, talking to a number of, of companies and, and, and uh, civic leaders in the area where uh, they are they definitely talk about uh, how Brexit is not uh, delivering on the promise uh, when it comes to when it comes to trade with Europe. Talking of Liverpool, because you've written a great piece about the Dockers uh, strike that's, that's taking place there. How how important is is Liverpool to to UK trade to, to shipping? 
Well, it's definitely not as important as it was a long time ago, but it's it's got this this unique history of of, of being uh, basically the British Empire's uh, shipping uh, hub uh, over the over the centuries, and uh, it still maintains a a working container port there, the fourth biggest in the UK. Uh, there are roughly 600 uh, dock workers walking the picket lines uh, starting, uh, I believe it was late yesterday and today, for two weeks. So they've gone on strike to, uh, uh, in a dispute over uh, a pay rise. They're, they've been offered a 7% pay increase, uh, but the company uh, isn't, 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 uh, isn't going for that. Um, the workers are not going for that. They want something closer to the rate of inflation, which is, up, as as we know, in the UK over 10 percent. So there's a there's a both sides are uh, digging in their heels. Uh, the, the, a two week strike will will mean ships have to divert to other ports. Well, it remains to be seen whether dockers, unionized dockers at other UK ports will uh, service those ships or not. Uh, Felixstowe, the biggest uh, UK container port, uh, will go uh, will go out and strike in support of their colleagues in, in Liverpool next week. So that's 50% of the UK's uh, container trade uh, right there, the, those two ports. So uh, the, the impact, uh, but while these strikes only last a week or two, the impact, uh, we could see ripple effects for, for, for weeks to come. Um- well, what you know, we've already had a strike at Felixstowe over pay as well. How does this feed into the bigger picture for UK trade? Are there businesses that are now either holding back or worried about disruption of getting their goods either in or out of the country? Well, most UK companies or, or the ones that that uh, you know planned ahead would 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 have fairly uh, healthy inventories right now to withstand you know, a week or two or a couple of, of, of ship, shipments that, that aren't coming in because of a strike. So the immediate effect is not is not uh, store shelves are still stocked. And, uh, you know, but you could see the longer these drag out, you could see uh, companies not being able to get the parts that they need on time. So so inventories are kind of saving the saving the economy for the moment, sort of buffering against these disruptions. Uh, but those those won't stay, uh, you know, uh, of a healthy size for very long uh, if we st- if we continue to see these uh, these strikes, particularly the Felixstowe and, and Liverpool strikes, which will, uh, you know, which will which hit the size of the the, the impact uh, will be felt uh, in in the, in the weeks and months ahead. So uh, at the moment, there are no obvious disruptions uh, to to consumers, but businesses are are, are going to get more and more uh, concerned. Uh, about being able to keep keep their production lines uh, going and, and those kinds of things. Felixstowe is big for for UK Asia trade. Liverpool's more of a transatlantic North American uh, uh, gateway. So uh, they they, uh, they serve different markets, but uh, together they they're 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 pretty important to the UK economy. Brendan, plenty on the government's agenda. Just sticking with the trade situation, when do you think we might get a, 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 a decent-sized uh, announcement? The, the C, CPTPP are clearly very important, but these uh, multilateral trade agreements are very complex to negotiate, aren't they? Are we going to get anything in the next year or so? I think it's uh, it's conceivable uh, that the government will uh, you know, have a lot more on its plate than uh, than to make that make these kinds of arrangements a priority. It's it's certainly it's certainly possible, but uh, but the priorities in the UK economy right now 
are such that uh, you know there, there, there's a you know there's a cost of living crisis going on. There's uh, you know uh, there's just some other issues that I think the government will focus its uh, attention and and spend its political capital on. Uh, I'd put the odds at maybe 50-50. If that's a, a, a bit of a, a um, you know some. Uh, it, 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 we, we appreciate happen, you giving it, us. We yeah. appreciate you giving us odds on such a complicated <laughs> issue because because that. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Look, really, really, really going out on a limb with the uh, <laughs> coin flip. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a. Uh, I think Liz Truss, uh, you know, has got a lot of other issues on her plate to uh, to make that a priority right now. She she certainly has, but I think that it's it's really interesting to get your insight into all those various trade stories as as it has come up so early in Liz Truss's first trip abroad as she heads to the UN General Assembly uh, with lots of important meetings lined up there as well. Perhaps the hope is there could be some underlying sentiment shift on trade uh, in those relations as well. Bloomberg's trades are Brendan Murray. Thank you very much for taking us through all of those different stories and um, that story on the Liverpool docker strike. Really fascinating read and worth worth a look uh, if you can. You'll find it on Bloomberg.com and of course on the terminal as well. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.